everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Crunch for the Mythos Manual. I'm your host, Leslie Wisniewski, producer of this podcast. I'm here, per usual, with Calder David, our game master. Hey, it's me, your game master. I'm here to kill your characters. <laughs> we'll see about that. And this week, we're also joined by Alan. Hey, guys. You know, I have to tell you something. So Paul was telling me that he always eats something crunchy during his crunch episodes yeah. with you guys. Since I always bring a bottle of wine secretly, can we call it a crush episode? Yes, let's call this, this is our first crush episode. It's our crush episode. I'm not going to title it differently, but, you know. In, Just for in, you for you listeners, you're in on the secret. In spirit, it's a crush episode. So what, what are we pairing this crush episode with, Alan? A 2012 Cabernet Sauvignon from Urban Press, a, uh, a uh, little wine cellar out of Burbank. That <laughs> Alan and I are members of. A little small town, we Burbank. Share, we yeah. share the membership. It's great. I believe the vineyards are in Paso, I believe. Yeah. Oh. I do love Paso. Well, let's dive into to these last two episodes of the Mythos Manual. Woo! These are some crazy fun episodes. I had a blast listening to them. Yeah, they were they were really fun. I've just I, I just caught up with them myself like really quickly. Had to like listen to the final versions of them, and they're, yeah, they're cool. They're really yeah. really neat. I felt like I was almost watching TV, and we were doing the dream episode. Cal, were you planning on doing a dream? sequence or series of, of moments from the get-go or is that something you were like you know what we're doing today dreams <laughs> no i was not planning on doing a dream sequence episode from the get-go i i need i wanted to do the dream episode because i wanted to help kind of shape the narrative a little bit sometimes as a gm it's important to like take the reins a little bit and point your players in certain directions mm-hmm. uh and i think that was like one of them i i kind of wanted to remind them about Zaran Nagam. I wanted to find a fun way to Paul. Paul and I had been talking a little bit about Archibald, and like he and I, I had found the Mahler archetype for Archibald because Paul didn't know that familiars have archetypes, and I suggested it, and like I was like, well, let's find a fun way to implement it. Once a once a familiar has a kill count over three, you should start thinking about if they should be doing that more often. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Archibald was never intended to be a real killer. But he had the heart for it. Yeah, and uh, and he killed Dalton. He didn't kill Dalton. He did kill yeah. Dalton. A little so, other you know, things too. But, Ulyster yeah. died for Dalton and... You, and the goat killed him. The goat killed him. Yeah. Which I feel like Ulyster is like pinching the bridge of his nose in the afterlife being like, of of course. Yeah. goat. Of course. Yeah, ghouls didn't kill Dalton, but... A goat did. A goat did. Brought yeah. to you by the letter G. <laughs> it's like he's in the afterlife with you know he's in the afterlife with Dalton and he's all like oh wow I was ripped apart by ghouls you're right in front of you and Dalton's like yeah like a goat kicked me in the ass and I and I crumbled <laughs> you know? and Yulster's like huh I don't know what I saw in, in you, you. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it took then maybe maybe not but I would love to kind of dive in a little bit to this really fun space that I feel like all of our player characters got to explore some of their fears and backstories in and we got to hear from Damius's dark side for the first time yes dark half that's right his yeah. dark half it's not like a the moon it's it's like its own kind of part of it's you. not star wars well, no yeah because it's because the dark half is a mechanic right mm-hmm. of the psychic um you know version or build of the psychic that i have i do enjoy how much you've You've just kind of taken this one piece of like what is very like rulesy and like turned it into a very flavorful concept. Well, I think that it's fun to do that. I'm sorry. I think no, it's no, fun to do that. It's, yeah, it's good. I, I feel like 
I would have assumed that that is part of the flavor for that build, but knowing that that's just something that you've brought to it is really... Well, it is part of the flavor of the build. No, no, I I simply mean that, like, it is its own person that can talk to you. Well, sometimes it's very easy for me to just say, hey, my dark half half turns on. I mean, actually, my dark half turns on, and then also I'm also really bad about turning it off. Mm. I'm supposed to turn it off. And sometimes I'm good about that, and sometimes I just forget and think I could just do it. Um, But it really doesn't matter too much because we don't really waste the rounds that it's worth doing but mm-hmm. um but the thing about it is i had some very vague ideas about my relationship with the dark half um and then you know this dream episode the nightmare episode happened right were you prepped for that at all i like again i had some vague ideas about the relationship and oh, then i just mean about the dream episode did you know no. you were diving into it no. no no one knew i was yeah oh my gosh and so when you know when uh as i'm like hearing like kafka's dream and then Kata's dream, and I'm thinking in my head, wait, I'm a psychic with a ent- with a separate entity living inside my head that talks to me. I- I'm in a space finally, like my amnesia's gone. I know everything, and I have this this other self that can talk. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of why I said to everybody, I was kind of like, hold my beer, because I was plan, I was planning like I'm gonna reveal so much crazy shit in my head that I had like had ideas about, but there there was no way to tell anybody. Um, I often like like to have like character secrets, mm-hmm. and there's this thing about like you know a, a, a character concept isn't isn't real if people can't see it, right? And yeah. so I'm very kind of careful with the idea of a secret. For my character, you know, I like to have them personally. And sometimes I will keep a secret all the way through a campaign and then tell people when it's done. Hmm. Right. Um, But at the same time, I have to be aware of the fact that you have to see it. Right. And so um, for 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 uh, for Domius, his dark half is his secret. And I knew that the dark half spoke to him, influenced him, made him do things and made him actually do something that's really horrible for him and essentially completely shattered him to the point that um, the dark half has imposed amnesia on him to keep him from hurting himself. So it's almost like the dark half is almost parasitic in that it wants to protect itself. So to protect itself, it has to protect its host, which is Domius. Yeah, and and, and I kind of think that maybe the dark half also is like at the same time is protecting Domius. Like, there's a relationship between the two of them. I, as your GM, I also kind of have my own thought towards what your dark half is, which I don't want to get into too much for you. And, okay. But I think like you've, you've seen me kind of, we've been playing with it a little bit, and I kind of have this idea of, like, it's the psychic imprint of from your past, and I want to kind of play with what that could mean in Domius's future. If you were to make a ratio, how much of of knowing who Damius is and really knowing his past, how much of that is in Alan's hands and how much of it is in your hands, Cal? Because Alan, I know you've you've wanted to leave things kind of a mystery, even to yourself. Well, yeah, I kind of would say it's kind of 50-50 because there are certainly, th- and we, we talked about the dark half with, with Cal, like there were things about 
Damius's backstory that I literally left blank. And um, that's hard because you write a mean backstory. I do. I, sometimes I overwrite a backstory. In fact, even in the even in the creation of Damius, I wrote like a five page backstory that I don't think we even used. I never read it. <laughs> you know, like there was, there was, yeah, I wrote a whole backstory to him and then we never used it, but I had, it actually formulates some ideas that I have about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but the, and again, because again, what happened, because I think Domi's was born of like another idea I once had, but the idea that I have a backstory that he does not remember is really fascinating to me. And because I, and then of course I, I decided at that point, instead of my own backstory to like open it to Cal so Cal could decide what my backstory was, mm-hmm. you know, since it's, since it's, you know, forgotten. Oh, I, I liked that. Oh, go ahead. I liked that about that because it let me kind of slide Damius into whatever part of this campaign I really wanted him to fit into. And it gave me some freedom to really play. And, and I like that. Like, it feels co- uh, collaborative between the two of us as like a GM and player that we're kind of discovering this character and his surroundings and like his history together. I think that's really fun. Yeah. I, I think there's also something thematic to it about this character that we have known. We don't know anything really about his past or the things that he's done. or And we just get to know him for who he is now in this moment. And I think that is such a rarity and a gift so that in the future, if we are to find out X, Y, Z about Damius and his and his darker half, then I think that that will really pose a big question of who is this person? Are they the things that they have done or are they the person that we know them to be now? Yeah, I mean, Damius, like, really a fascinating character for me to play because there's so many essentially unspoken things about him. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, even in his relationships with um, with Kafka and Kata, you know, what people don't see or hear is that there is this um, there is this voice in his head that's telling him something horrible all the time. You know, um, like there is, the, you know, there's the there's the id and the superego and the ego. And Damius, unfortunately, has this fourth entity that's telling him, you know, of all the options he can choose, he should choose the worst option. And that's what he should do, right? Yeah. And so Domius is essentially, because I always like to play with, I like playing with the idea of an evil character, but Domius is a good character with an evil part of himself that's constantly trying to make him do the evil thing. Kind of dovetailing into that, I just have to really like, I know you didn't get an emerald for it. I mean, we can talk about that later. But <laughs> There's a lot of things I should have got emeralds for. I'm just going to say like, a lot of things, but all right. I just want you to reach deeper, Alan. I really <laughs> I, want to challenge me. Challenge yourself. I just feel like I'm, I'm picturing Alan listening to the podcast going, emerald? Yeah. Emerald. Emerald, emerald. Should have had an emerald. Emerald, emerald. Yeah. Uh, Don't talk to me about human love. Oh. I mean, come on. My inflection. Oh, just my inflection so was so perfect. But but God. but diving deep into the notion of like having that evil just living in you without any way to really exercise it or ignore it. It's just there. That moment you had with Chaldi talking to her and really empathizing with like, I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of nowhere covered in dirt and not know how I got there or what I did. Um, that was really resonant for me because I think walking into that conversation, I was really ready for Damius to kind of confront and condemn Cheldi and be like, are you the hag? And I think it seemed like Cheldi very much was anticipating that as well. And I wanted to ask you, Alan, because the conversation you had with Kata and Kafka was like, it could be Cheldi. I'm going to talk to Cheldi and see if it's Cheldi. 
but it felt like in that moment you decided I don't think it is. Can you talk to me about well, that? Like, did you all did you walk in knowing that you were going to flip flop on that, or did it happen in the role play? I'm in a real like weird like I'm in a really like, like strange place. I'm in a real confused place about the third hag as it is. Like, you know, um, I think that maybe I asked too vague of a question to the talking board. It seemed like a genie wish. <laughs> yeah, and I'm getting this sort of I'm, I'm getting an answer that actually opens up other questions. And I think that that's the moment that's happening with Chelsea because I, you know, I'm worrying about, like, I worry about Ruth, Chelsea, Nushka, and Mathilti, right? These are the people I'm worried about initially. Um, and the problem that I have is, is that now I've kind of like, we've kind of opened this idea that the third hag that I'm looking for might, the board might be telling me who the third hag is going to be rather than who I think the third hag is that I'm trying to hunt. The, the OG the, the OG hag, right? <laughs> yeah. And so there's now, so now there's a question about the third hag and the hat and the replacement for the first hag. That's <laughs> there's a lot the, of hags. There's a lot of hags here. So I'm, so I'm, I'm hunting in a sense, I'm hunting two whales, two white whales, and I don't know which one it is. Is this a future whale? Is yeah. this a whale that's been here? And Cal, it seemed like you were very intentional with that kind of vagary in your response to the talking board question. Getting the hags kind of straight. Here are the hags we the hags we know. Okay. We know that there is a dead hag in the forest. Dead hag. That dead killed hag. that killed dead Little Bike. Yep. That's the first hag that we encountered. Second hag is the Herald, who is masquerading as a char- Charuka. Third hag that theoretically has been existing in Trifecta. Mystery. And then because one of those hags is dead, aka the dead hag, there these Two remaining hags are theoretically looking for a replacement hag. So I think, Alan, you had asked the talking board, intending for it to tell you about the OG hag, the the mystery hag that you don't know who it is and is a current present threat, but the talking board seemed to answer about the potential replacement the, hag. The, the new third hag, yeah. That is what the t- spirits seem to have said to you, Mr. Damius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what really messed me messes me up a bit. So it's like, um, yeah. So, so walking into that conversation with Chelsea, I think it was initially like, is she going to turn into a hag and attack me? Because that's kind of what you were thinking that the talking board had answered. But it seemed like during that conversation, you started to come to a different conclusion. I did. I started really feeling like, and I, I did, like, I, I do really am concerned that um, that Chelsea is a, at risk, that she's a target. Um, and I think that, that her her responses about her experiences really point to that. I didn't, I mean, and again, we're like, we're like, like kind of like walking this line of just because she's the changeling, she doesn't mean that she's the one. But, you know, um, I really feel about that, and then of course that only, that taps into Domus's own experiences and Domus's own like pathos. Um, so yeah, I think there's a connection there um, between them on that level. Because we also, I think these last two chapters, and particularly uh, Girls Day Out, um, <laughs> really delved into the backstories of some of our NPC women in a way that I found really interesting and engaging. Because now discovering that Ruth has this big gap in her memory. Yeah, right? Yeah. So like Ruth, like that was my whole thing too. It's like Ruth has missing memory. I was like, like I'm really again now wondering, I realized I introduced the idea of missing memory, but then the idea that somebody's like, there's, there's 
sort of a shared experience of these not not not, not remembering what happens like like mm-hmm. Chelsea's having it Ruth has it you know and that even like that look at my own like ideas about my own backstory and like what happened now I don't even know if like I'm being manipulated right you know yeah, yeah. Well, oh this is something I did want to touch on because going back to kind of the the interesting growth that we're seeing for Damius's character having Damius go from someone who would refer to Kata as Snake Lady and Kafka as Birdman, which he still does sometimes, but not as much. Having him gone from that very like reluctant to engage with people to then <laughs> encountering them in the morning and saying, hey, yes, I had a crazy dream. This stuff showed up on me, but I'm with Shayaka and you guys don't tell Shayaka. I will loop back with you, but first don't just, do- can we keep this on? Okay, I'll be right back. Bye. Um, I think that really shows that he now has new people to share his secrets with. Well, there's again because of the the secrets in the secrets in um, his head, the, um, his interactions with with everybody are always tainted by the fact that there's somebody talking to him at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's one of the reveals that kind of happens. Um, Shayaka's relationship, the relationship with Shayaka, is very interesting because again, it it shows who Damius really is and really wants to be. Yeah, you know. Um, that in this and in, in sort of like in this connection with Shayaka, he does essentially then become more open and close to the friends that he has. He has a moment, has moments of vulnerability. You know, I think even that's what was the whole point about like the the like pushing the planchet with my toe. It's a very it's a very playful kind of like un, like not serious moment. Mm-hmm. And he's having these not serious moments with Shayaka, which are dramatically different than everything he normally seems to be. Um, it's because who Domius really is, you know, who actually I say who he wants to be is a is a kind and generous and trusting and loving person. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but the the problem, of course, he has is, is that he he has an evil influence that might make him do something horrible at any moment. And now he has something to lose. Yeah. And of course, he again, he doesn't even know what that might be because he can't remember it. And that's almost scarier, right? Yeah. The not knowing, I think. Um, I just have to, I have to loop back to Eulister because it was so fun seeing him with the hacky sack and the bean bag. Oh, that was cute. In Kafka's yeah. dream and then with the planchet. It's nice to kind of think about him having a life or rather an afterlife yeah. outside of the story. And is that, well, like, is that weird for you? Is it nice? No, I, I don't think I've ever, I feel like, I know guys, I did a campaign with you guys um, one time and I had a dead character in it. Um, and then, but I, and I had moments of afterlife moments with that character with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed, you know, which I, I don't know what we were talking about, which was Mummy's Mask from, um, you can talk about Mummy's yeah, Mask. Pathfinder one, Mummy's Mask. But it was like, um, we brought you in to, to play the, an NPC Sphinx. Yeah. And then, Tessera. And I would do dad joke. I would do, I do, I would do riddles. Your, I would do riddles. Yeah, but the, your riddles were dad jokes. But my riddles were dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer was the punchline. Um, but it was uh, it was fun. But then when but then it was a choice of character death and somebody had to die. And I was like, I'm an NPC. I'm not important. Save the PC, guys, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, and then you guys brought me into the game again as an actual PC. Um, but we there kept, was, yeah. Yeah. But there were still these moments where Tetsura was talked about or referenced and eventually one point came back into the story. And so I, I kind of enjoy that space where a dead character isn't gone. It's gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, but you and I think that I think that even when I was talking about taking Eulister's 
talking board. And I, and I had in, impressed upon that, that, you know, the difference between the interaction the talking board when Euliester had it and when I, and Domius has it is that Domius doesn't move the planchet. Euliester does. So as I was a way for me to keep Euliester in the story, Yeah, you know, cause Euliester was important to me. I had, I had a lot of important, I had a lot of feelings about Euliester. Well, I so. think it's good then that he is still so, so prevalent in the yeah. group. Yeah. It's not like he's like, well, that guy we, we buried a while ago. No. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the original house rules that emeralds could be used to re-roll a dice or come back from death. And those were the only rules. And now they've been changed. Can we talk about that a little bit? Well, sure. Can... We can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. It will, because we, we talked about it when it happened, like we were kind of dissatisfied with like that, co- that specific combat a couple, like five episodes ago or so, the, the Grion fight. And is that the royal we? That you, yeah. That you were dissatisfied? I was dissatisfied with it. <laughs> Well, what happened? The rest of us were really good with it. Yeah, you guys all love that. No, um, well, I feel like you shouldn't like that, Alan, because Christy should be dead, and like the same rules that, like, if I didn't pull punches for you, I shouldn't be pulling punches for Christy. I would never wish character death on anyone else just because I experienced it. That's not that's, but like, but like, my point, why I felt like it was important to do that was a in the original write up of our rules, the emeralds were not supposed to bring you back from death anyway. We just kind of like forgot about that for the longest time. They were only ever meant to bring you back from unconsciousness and like, and I just happened to allow, and you guys asked me if you could share emeralds during that episode and I had never really considered it before and I just said, okay, without thinking. And as if, whatever, what I should have said, of course, was no. I should have said no, like a good GM. I should have said no to my players and told them to <laughs> suck it up and die. Yeah. But I didn't, like an asshole. Well, Alan, do you feel like the piling of emeralds and using them sharing them and using them to endlessly resurrect characters was wasn't would have been an issue i okay first of all the emerald i think goes back to the like i think the first that i'm aware of was the eberron hero point hero point or whatever eberron did that yeah yeah eberron did that and i and i really like the idea of having a system in which there is a you know there is a miracle that can happen i like that too i don't disagree um so but at the same time it's like uh i don't do, do i do I care about the abuse of a single miracle? I don't know. You know, I think that we were in a tough, I think we were in a really tough fight at the time. And it was like, we were dead. We didn't have our fourth person. Like we needed miracles. I don't know if that would ever, that situation ever happen again. I think you, since then you've taken someone with you, if not two people. Oh, we learned our lesson. Oh, we did. We learned our lesson hard on that one. Um, But also it's like, and it comes down to like, even when I run a game, I usually do, when I do house rules, I usually do them at creation and I avoid doing them later. Like I, I, yeah, I yeah. you're all in general, your house rules should be kind of set out at the beginning, which we did for most of ours. This is the only thing we've ever had to re- revise one. Yeah. I would say that if you're going to have a house rule, you should probably write it on a card mm-hmm. and put it on the table so that everybody can always refer to the unwritten rule in a written form. Yeah. You know, that was the problem we had with it essentially is because it was a vague story. It was a vague rule for us. And I have them written down, but like no one, yeah, you guys yeah. weren't like looking at it. I wasn't looking at it either. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, but hopefully, that situ- the need for that situation doesn't arise again in the future. I just, I, I don't like the narrative of it. I don't like, I, I like the idea of like, oh, I'm down. I cash in my miracle and I'm back. I like that. But then it's like, 
I oh, I'm down. I cash in my miracle. Next round. Oh, I'm down again. I cash in my other miracle. Yeah, no, you're like, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah like, that right. doesn't feel good. It's almost like everyone's kind of pulling out their epipens at that point <laughs> to like oh, hurry, stab them with an epinephrine. Um, yeah, but not I, to not to make light of people with allergies. Oh my god, no. Yeah. Oh shit. No, I was just thinking about the movie uh, Crank. Jesus, Bob's. Yeah. With J- starring Jason Statham. Oh, that wasn't an epipen. Yeah. It was, it was adrenaline. It was adrenaline. Oh, you're right. <laughs> That's a different thing. This is yeah. why I'm not in medicine, everyone. Uh-huh. So no one be concerned. Um, but so that's something that maybe GM, a little maybe dissatisfaction on the player side in limiting a house rule. But let's talk about something that happened in this most recent episode that was like a five-star GM moment of holding back the truth until like the the best possible moment. And I am, of course, talking about that hippo encounter. The hippos. Oh, yeah. So funny. So funny. I love hippos. I just love, your reveal of them was hilarious. It's like, oh, gosh, a big blob. It moves fast. It's got teeth. It's huge. What could it be? Oh, my gosh. What what mis- mysterious, magical creature. It's like, it's a hippo. Also, what a good description yeah. for one, too. It's like fast moving, like blob giant it. Mouth. Like, giant mouth, all teeth. You don't even know what it is. Like, because you're right, because hippos are like kind of monstrous looking oh they're like terrifying yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but yet cute they got little but ears adorable they got little, little, ears. little funny ears I think yeah. Fantasia did a big number on all of us we're like they're like little ballerinas <laughs> <laughs> um I, I really actually want to like the hippo encounter stems from way back on like the river Zinji. I really there's a there's a hippo attack scene in Congo when they're on the river um, and Kaga was one of our big inspirations for this. And so, like, there's a, there was a, a scene where the hippo attacks the boats and, it destroy, and a bunch of evil hippos destroy the boat or something. Um, and I really wanted to do that. Um, but there just wasn't enough time On in the, the river, river Zinji. especially, yeah. Yeah, and also, like, hippos as, like, a challenge are not, were not level appropriate for you guys to be fighting at that point. Um, so they had to be kind of saved for later. And I had to kind of come up with, like, well, why would there be hippos in the jungle? And that's when the waterfall Wait, got invented. Why would there be hippos in the jungle? <laughs> no, why would there be hippos, yeah. I guess, Off the in river. the foliage in, of yeah, the yeah, foliage. Like, yeah. Why in would, Poema. When am I going to get them back to yeah. like the water? And that's, hence me inventing the You the open waterfall. the hall of hostility, it's full of hippos. Full of hippos. <laughs> Angry battle hippos. <laughs> that's funny. The, and the whole notion of the girls' day out, I thought, was very fun. It was. I like a though, lot of fun Ellen, things happen in that. You did you know. push for nudity. I mean, you know, I did. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I always think you should um, always push for nudity. A lot of fan art of that one coming out. Yeah, oh, but God. you were like, you, you were being so like, no, you're covered from head to toe. Covered in bathing from head suits, to, old timey bathing suits. You yeah, can't it was see anything. Really a weird answer, and I was like, no, this isn't like you know, this is like. <laughs> We're in a jungle. We're like jungle explorers. There's that moment and you skinny dip. I feel like you were like, you know, Dami is, I need to say for the record, is naked. He yeah. is naked. Absolutely He's naked. Naked. Not bringing a trunk to this. And, you know. You're right. I just, you know, I, uh, I think, I think as like the, like a, as like a straight male, like GM and suddenly I'm, I'm confronted with like, oh, there's a bunch of women at a swimming pond. Well, not all women. You're right. And Damius. But like, you know, in general, and I was... I think I just, my initial impulse was like, I'm going to play this as safe as possible. 
<laughs> They're covered in head to toe. Like None of you out there. Nails on their faces. But you knew that we would decide to be naked. I didn't know if I. You did. knew I, like, we would. Once, like once, like you guys started talking about it, it's like, of course they're naked. Yeah. So they're naked now. You can't frolic in clothes. You're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. And then Kata and and Ruth having that serious, like, very sweet heart to heart, and then like, hey, we should all go. Dami's put some pants on, and everyone's just like <laughs> splashing in the background. It was so sweet and fun. I right? loved it. It was a nice image. I'm. I feel like there's so many exciting things that have really bubbled to the surface in the last really three episodes since uh, the encounter with Dalton. It's been really wild and intense. Are you feeling the heat as a player character with all this stuff kind of like really bubbling to the surface? Because it feels like for the first couple weeks, it was like, we're through the jungle. We explore. We find a thing. La la la. Simbu bean paste. Na na na. And now you're like, oh, oh my God, there's three hags and I don't know which one is future hag or present hag. You know, I mean, I feel like there were clocks going, but I feel like the hag story is definitely a clock. I think also the reveal, I think the real big moment is the reveal of the Herald as a hag that really messes with me and makes me feel like we've got to, we've got to solve this or get out. Like There is conspiracy afoot. Yeah. So it's dangerous at this point. Let me ask you this. As a player, as a player character, but who regularly runs games and who has been a DM more often than not... Was that moment like a real throw for you? Did you feel the rug come out a little bit? You know, I have to say that I, Cal, I think that this has been a very well designed game. Um, <laughs> I, I love what I love also is the uniqueness of the focus on the NPCs and the mm, NPC characters. Course, I yeah. think that and the inter- interactions, I think that has made this a standout, unique game compared to so many. Um, I, I, I it, it changes the idea of homebrew games for me personally that's sweet yeah it's like there is this real pressure now and especially because we were given such a loose clock structure to begin with the three parts of the day and we might spend the day like hanging out with somebody got all the time in the world gotta undig these temples no big deal you know and now we're like looking at our days and we're like oh but we're so beat up what do we do like we gotta solve the thing it was like it was like even the three parts of our day have pressure you know, and the idea that and then then taking a moment like that, like of this day to go, you know, to a waterfall makes that moment so amazing. And like we're like, like really joyful and, and full of emotion mm-hmm. because we know what's on every side of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's very sweet. Is that kind of was that your intention, Cal, to really have things heat up? Yeah, I think the idea was to introduce them slowly to like the system of having to manage their time, which was a different thing than most tabletop RPGs are going to, well, like, I don't know about that, but like at least most like Pathfinder D&D games aren't going to make you be like, all right, what are you doing this morning? All right, what are you doing this afternoon? Um, and I, I stole that right out of like a lot of like time management video games, which have like a lot of which I've implemented a lot of those kind of rules. We've talked about that before. There was the idea of like, I'm going to be, it's like boiling a frog. I'm slowly turning up the knobs on all of my fires over time. And like each of these things are going to kind of come to a head over time. Like if I'm slowly hinting towards things and slowly pointing towards things and I allow the players to to access and to learn about secrets or to learn new information through interacting with these characters, it increases like why they want to talk to them and it helps kind of further these bonds and it creates a sense of like, I want to protect these characters 
because they're invested in the characters and invested in the world. It's about it's really just about in making the players invested. I think there's there's something really wonderful about the three part day as well. In that you know we all know the game where we all done this game where you know you you go into the dungeon, you fight for ten minutes, and you're like. Woo! That was hard. I'm spent. What a day. What a day. I got to get my eight hours rest, right? And and so not only are you saying no, the day is going to keep going because you have three parts of this day that you have to deal with. So even if you are going to blow off that first four hours by in 10 minutes, you still have to deal with the next four hours and the four hours after that. But then you filled it with these like quests, with NPC quests. So So if we were spent, we had something to do with it. You know, and I, I, I liked that a lot. There was always something to, there's ideally always something to do. Yeah. We've discovered that Kafka is a is an artist at heart. That was fun. Uh, yeah. Suresh, even though he's becoming more de- demonic, is really more the same than ever. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more to discover, I think, about Ruth and Cheldy. A lot of mysteries kind of building up. What yeah. does it all mean? Yeah. I'm very excited. I was yeah. very thrilled to kind of like see it all come together and it, what's fun about it is like it comes together in this like natural way versus as much as I can like like you know things like the nightmare episode and other times where it's like as a GM I take the reins of the story and I kind of like focus it at a certain direction but a lot of this campaign is what I what I really wanted to do was to let you guys as players choose where the story moves what parts of the story are going to get explored like you know that's how we're finding out information like I very rarely am I choosing to like opt in and like introduce a new element. I, I prefer to let you guys find these elements and find them organically and, and then explore them at your own like pace and like what you're interested in. Having Zoramnagam encounter Christy and say like the Moori says, Ginkgo spirit and her reaction of like, Ginkgo spirit. Oh, and her reaction of like, oh no, was so incredible for me because Having, one, seen Christy throughout this campaign, and two, having been Christy's friend and, like, been in campaigns with her, very rarely is she like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I got to get out of this. I really got to get out of this. This is bad. What do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. Just just get out of my head. Um, And seeing her on her back foot, I think, in that moment was, for me, a listener, very interesting. Because I think you kind of came at her in a way that she wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Chrissy's really fun to role play with, but like she, she sometimes like takes like a little. It she can be a little bit removed from things. I was tr- and it's fun to kind of bring her in, like to kind mm-hmm. of grab her and like lurch her into a scene, like well, trigger a bit. Is that what you're <laughs> no, 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 not necessarily. Just a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting speaking about Christy and having talked about her character as being one that's very impulsive, wants to jump into things, and I throw a rock at it, or I'm gonna hit it, and I bite it, I bite claw claw. Um. Seeing a moment of hesitation in talking about Cheldy as the potential hag, I thought was fascinating. Because her saying, let's not be so quick to act. Let's remember what happened to Dalton. I think that really shows that that moment had an impact on her, not only as a player character, but as a player and saying, let's not be so quick or someone could potentially die that doesn't have to die. Yeah, yeah. Her response to her response to the pressure is to like, is to think about what she's going to do yeah. versus rush in and that's that's telling about what the pressure means to her yeah it's she's already lost something she's like i'm not gonna make this mistake twice yeah so that i can't wait to see continue to play out as we explore more of the jungle untangle more of these vines and mysteries learn more about damius of course and his past and his history and learn 
from both of you, really, like who he is and who he wants to become at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. guys, I feel like I've got another 30, in, 30 minutes in me about like Eulister and Dami and do. stuff. Well, like, that just I feel means we'll have like, to do another crunch. No, another crush. Another, another crush. crush. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Well, for now, we're going to have to wrap up. Uh, heading into the holidays, I hope you all have a wonderful time. Safe travels if you're traveling. And this crush episode, again, brought to us, not in a formal sponsorship, but because we just liked it, from this 2012 cab from Urban, Urban Press. Press. It's a little sweet. <laughs> not too sweet. It's got, it's got body. Nice. It's okay. <laughs> uh, check out Urban Press Winery. Check out our socials at Mythos Manual, our website at mythosmanual.com. Subscribe to this podcast. Rate this podcast. Ask us questions because we want to be answering them here on these crunch segments. And all in all, roll some 20s, guys. See you in 2020. Happy holidays. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Mythos Manual. Be sure to check us out on our socials at Mythos Manual or our website, mythosmanual.com. May all your roles be 20s.